Every other Republican governor enforced a lockdown. Every Democratic governor enforced a lockdown. The problem here is that the politicians, the government, have the power. They have the power to do that to our businesses. The people do not have the power. Hello and welcome to A Plea to Humanity, a podcast dedicated to transferring power back to the people. What does that mean though? Power to the people. Before we start this episode, I want to talk about real quick about what does transferring power to the people really mean? What does power really mean? What is power? Well, the way I define power is the ability to make the decision. And to put it bluntly, really, if the people want the power, the people need to be able to make the decisions. And if the people are not going to be in power, that means the people are not making the decisions. Now, we might think that we're making the decisions by choosing who we elect and therefore they make the decisions on our behalf. But that's not the people making the decisions. That's us giving our power to somebody else to make the decisions for us, for what we think is our in our best interest. But oftentimes we know that our elected politicians are public servants on both sides of the political aisle. They don't really vote in the best interests of the American people, regardless if you're right or left or whatever like that. So what does power? So power means transferring the decision factor back to the people as often as possible. And what we're seeing right now and today is that more and more decisions are being made by our government for the people. So that's not really power. People say power to the people and say like, oh, we need to tax the rich so we can have a Medicare for all or something like that. Now, in, I'll say in a best case scenario, let's just say that works. Let's just say Medicare for All is a great uh, healthcare program and everybody has great healthcare. That's still not power. That's not power. That's being taken care of. That's the government taking care of you. Think of it as when you were a, a child growing up with your parents. And uh, you were probably, I'm, I'm going to assume, that you had your basic needs met. You had food, you had water, you had shelter, right? You were taken care of. Were you in power? No, absolutely not. No child in a relationship with their parent has the power. They're taken care of, but they don't have the power because they're not making the decision in that relationship. The parent is, the guardian is, the person taking care of the child is the one making the decisions, and that person has the power. So again, if we want to transfer power back to the people, we need to let the people make the decisions as often as possible. Now, I'm going to get into this in a little bit, but a big part of that answer is taking all of that power that is centralized in Washington, D.C. and transferring that back to the states and to the local governments as often as possible. I talked about that in my last podcast and how we need to uh, decentralize Washington, D.C. or decentralize all the power that has been amassing in Washington, D.C. and put that back to the states and local governments because governments, they work best when they are closest to the people as possible, as opposed to 535 politicians in Washington, D.C. making decisions for our entire country for 331 million people. Does that make that? That should make sense. So power is the ability to make the decisions, and transferring power to the people is letting the people make the decisions as often as possible. There's more to it than that, such as uh, self-reliance, independence, being healthy, being fit, and things like that. But without further ado, I want to start episode 10 uh, with a couple of reminders. But first, if you'd like that message and you like what I'm doing, please give this video a like, subscribe to this channel, and share it with a friend. All right, let's get into it. We're going to start this podcast with just a couple of two 
two really, really important reminders. Number one uh, is a reminder. Putin invaded Crimea, part of Ukraine. Crimea is part of Ukraine. In 2014, under the Obama administration, and no one cared. And Congress didn't send $100 billion of our money to Ukraine. This goes to show you the power of the media, the power of propaganda. Your mind is controlled. So you hopefully remember in 2014 what what Russia did to Ukraine. They literally invaded Ukraine. They literally tried to annex Crimea in 2014. They invaded <laughs> Ukraine in 2014, and... There was no major uproar. There was no outrage that we're seeing today. There was no cries from the mainstream media to send billions of dollars to Ukraine to fund a war. It was, it, it just goes to show you the power of the media, the power of propaganda. Because now, all of a sudden, the same thing is happening. Russia is invading Ukraine. And now all of a sudden, we have to send them $100 billion. Now all of a sudden, uh, we have to stop Putin to save democracy. Now all of a sudden, Putin's a madman and he's going to invade NATO. That wasn't necessarily the case in 2014. So I just wanted to put that in, into perspective, the, the power of propaganda. Don't let propaganda fool you so easily. At the end of this podcast, I'm going to show you more examples of more propaganda the next the last one i'm going to show you at the end is pretty brazen it's pretty you're gonna to have to be pretty dense for that one to work on you but that was just one reminder another reminder is that politicians shut down small businesses during the pandemic they let the big box stores remain open and are currently virtue signaling on, on social media about how much they support small businesses right so yesterday, today is Sunday, and yesterday was supposed this was a small hashtag, small business Saturday. I saw so many politicians on social media that were saying, hey, we need to go support our small businesses, support small businesses, hashtag small business Saturday. But it was the government and these politicians that we put into power, remember power is the ability to make the decisions, they made decisions to shut down our small businesses, right? And now they're saying we need to support small business? How about you don't shut them down during the pandemic while you let the big box stores remain open? That would have been a great way to support small businesses by not destroying them, right? And that, that's not too crazy of a thought. So this is, what, this is what they want you to think. They want you to think that, oh, we, the, 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 the gym, the restaurant needed to shut down during the pandemic, but the Home Depot and the Walmart could remain open. Right? The gym and the uh, restaurant wasn't able to uh, enforce any code policies, but the Home Depot and Walmart could. B.S. B.S. Now, I posted this on my Instagram, and one thing that I said on my Instagram was that I would be so willing at this point to vote for a politician with a spine, with integrity, even if that person didn't agree with me politically. Because right now, we have so many politicians on both sides, the left and the right, that have... No integrity, no honor, no courage. They don't have a spine. They're just doing what their donors tell them to do. They're just doing what their consultants tell them to do. Whatever is, whatever they think will get them the most likes, the most votes, whatever. And that's the problem. We, the people, are so divided right now that we're just putting people into office because they're on our side or, or something like that. Or maybe they're not the other side that we've been so trained to hate at this point. Remember, so many people voted for Biden out of hatred for Trump. I would say very, very few people who voted for Biden actually voted because they liked Biden. I would be willing to bet you that the vast majority of people who voted for Biden did so out of pure spite and hatred for Trump. 
does that that doesn't make sense that doesn't make sense for starters i'm not going to really get into it that the the uh, the picture that the media wanted to implant in your mind of who trump was this fascist this nazi dictator this racist whatever it's that's not true okay we're gonna in a little bit i'm gonna show you a clip of what trump said at cpac just the other day and that kind of will give reason as to why they hated him so much during the four years of his of his administration when he was president but it is insane let's go back to the whole uh, politician starting down the stores notice how i said politicians and i didn't say democrats or republicans they want us to say the democrats shut down our businesses or the republicans did that when in reality, it was both Democrats and Republicans who shut down our small businesses, who locked down our economies. Now, I will say, now I'll give it to you, I'll say that, yes, the Democrats did shut down longer and harder. But I think there was, to my memory, I think there was only one Republican governor, one governor out of 50 that did not enforce a lockdown. And that was Chrissy Noem of South Dakota, meaning every other Republican governor enforced a lockdown. Every Democratic governor enforced the lockdown. The problem here is that the politicians, the government, have the power. They have the power to do that to our businesses. The people do not have the power. And the reason why they have the power is because we complied to begin with. right? When we don't recognize their authority over us to shut down our businesses like that, that means they don't have the power. But we, the people, need to have the uh, courage to stand up to them and be like, no, you can't do that. I know a couple of people here in San Diego that did that. They were threatened with fines that they end up not paying. And that's what power is. The government takes our power by telling us to shut down our small businesses, by taxing us, by telling us we have to do this and follow that regulation for the greater good. And we comply. And we comply. And every time we comply, we are giving our power away. And we need to take that power back. We need to take that decision factor back. We need to stop asking for it back. It's not they're not gonna they're they're not going to give us their power that they took from us. For starters, they took it from us. We need to take it back. It's really that simple. Again, they took it from us, the people. We need to take it back. Both Republicans and Democrats took power from the people. Now it's time for the people to take it back. And that's what we have to focus on. We have to break free from these left and right divides. We have to cast off these labels, these Republican and Democrat labels, and understand that there's a few people in power, the people that have the power on both the left and the right, they have co-opted labels such as Democrat and Republican, and they are doing no good to the American people. Our wealth is being siphoned to Washington, D.C. We're going to go, let's go ahead and do this. This is a, a, a few images that I made, in, uh, and I shared them to my Twitter, to my Instagram. We'll just go ahead and get right into it about why there's so much power in Washington, D.C., and why it matters to you. So, here we go. Did you know five of the top ten wealthiest counties in America are immediately outside D.C.? So why does this matter to you? Why should you care that five of the top ten wealthiest counties are immediately outside Washington, D.C.? So here we go. We have uh, the number one wealthiest county is right there. If you're listening to us on audio, you can't see. But number one, number two... Number five, five out of ten, seven out of ten, and eight out of ten. One, two, five, seven, and ten are immediately outside Washington, D.C. So the question is, why does this matter to you? And the question is, why are they so wealthy? So for context, there are over 3,000 counties in America. Therefore, it would make sense 
that an area which is home to five of the top 10 wealthiest counties produces something of value for our country or does something good, right? Out of 3,000 counties in the, in, the, in, in the entire nation, if five of the top 10 wealthiest counties of the 3,000 are immediately outside Washington, D.C., you would think that they're producing some manufacturing, that there's uh, 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 another Silicon Valley, that there's business, there's industry, there's, there's something going on there. Uh, wrong. Washington, D.C. produces nothing of value for our country. They key words, they produce nothing of value for our country. Now, this is not to say that they don't need some taxes to, to do their constitutional duties, such as to fund a military, right? Well, again, for clarity, Washington, D.C. does need some taxes. After all, they, are, they have constitutional duties, such as maintaining an army and a navy and other things. But these requirements do not explain the mass amount of wealth, the mass amount of wealth in D.C. and surrounding counties. So, bottom line up front, what's the big deal? What's happening? Our wealth, the people's wealth, is being extracted in the form of an income tax and other means. A vast portion of our wealth, the country's wealth, gets sent to Washington, D.C. And politicians, bureaucrats, government agencies, who, again, produce nothing, produce, they're not making anything, they produce nothing of value, combined with the wealthy who own them, embolden themselves and make each other rich with our money as we, the people, get poorer. These people who get rich at our expense are often referred to as the ruling class. I call these people the ruling class. So as a result, many of our cities are in decay as our money is not invested at home. Millions and millions of Americans cannot afford a $400 emergency. Generational wealth, which helps break, break poverty cycles, is extremely difficult to build, and you have less money, right? Just to name four out of near countless examples, you have less money. So we are told D.C. needs to take this money to reinvest it into our country, but that doesn't happen. For example, only a small fraction of every dollar collected to fund a federal welfare program makes it back to the intended recipients. The rest of the money stays in D.C. for them to use and get rich off of and just and redistribute it among them and their friends. So, kind of like Social Security, it's not your money. As the, when the second the government took it out of your paycheck by force, without your consent, by the way, it stopped becoming your money. Okay? So, it might you might think, I hope... That we have Social Security uh, when we retire. I'm 33 years old. I hope in 30 years or whatever when I'm eligible to collect Social Security, that money is there. I'm not holding my breath. But that's a conversation for another time. But let's keep going with these slides. So what's the solution? What's the solution to this mass centralization of wealth to an area that produces nothing of value to our country? We need a mass reduction in government. It's that simple. We need to do many things. Among those many things, we need to abolish the 16th Amendment and the federal income tax. We need to abolish the IRS. We need to abolish the Federal Reserve, and we need to abolish numerous federal agencies that state governments can better manage. So, keynote, I would say I'm a huge advocate for abolishing welfare on the federal level. Does that mean I hate the poor and the needy? Absolutely not. Just by abolishing it on the federal level doesn't mean the concept of a government-funded welfare program goes away. It just means that it goes away on the federal level, and then the states and the local governments can say, okay, what can we do? I mean, there already is state-ran welfare programs, so why do we need the federal government and the state government to do it? We don't. The states can manage a welfare program on their own. There's no need for, a federal, for our federal government to manage a welfare program. So, by, by reducing government, by reducing all of these government agencies, this will keep more money at home, 
and more money invested in local communities. The battle ahead of us, this is so, so important. The battle ahead of us is no longer the left versus right battle we are so used to. Rather, the battle is now one for power and transferring that power back to the people along with our wealth the ruling class stole from us. We the people must cast aside our labels and realize our disagreements do not have to divide us. Are we going to disagree on issues? Absolutely yes. But we are on the same side and we must focus our sights on the few who have taken our power and our wealth. So I think that's a perfect segue to a, a clip of what uh, former President Trump here said at CPAC about what it, what he, one of the things that he wants to do when he, uh, if he wins re-election in 2024. Watch this. We are never going to be a country ruled by entrenched political dynasties in both parties, rotten special interests, China-loving politicians, of which there are many. You listening to this, Mitch McConnell? Are you listening? Frightened of telling the truth? Yeah, hey, say what you want about Trump. You can say he's a brash guy, that he's a whatever, wealthy billionaire that only cares about himself. I've heard it all. But he says a good game. He's calling it out for what it is. There's an entrenched political dynasty in Washington, D.C. that transcends both the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. And that's where all the wealth and power is in our country. That's where it's resting. And we, the people, need to unite and Focus on that and realize that and say, hey, they're taking our wealth. They're taking our power. We need it back. We're, we're going to take it back. Again, we're not going to ask for it back. We're going to take it back. And that's the mentality that we need to have. Now, we're going to shift gears here and talk about how China is uh, buying up U.S. farmland. This is very, very important because we have a, a very aggressive country, a communist country that is, I'm pretty sure... <coughs> excuse me, bent on, they want to dominate the world. I mean, they're a communist nation. They want to dominate the world. And what they have been doing here in America for a while now is buying up farmland. Here's Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin saying he, he's going to take a stand and stop China from buying farmland in the U.S. Watch this. What we've seen is the CCP and the Chinese government become much more aggressive about progressing their strategy, which is to dominate the world. Let's just be clear. And they're going to do it at the United States' expense. And they're using every arsenal uh, element that they have, from mili military coercion to economic coercion to surveillance. And, and it's showing up everywhere. And yes, in our, own, in our own farmland, I mean, we have the Pentagon. We have Quantico. We have the largest naval base in the world. We have Wallops Island that's launching rockets uh, 10 times a year. And they're, they're surrounded by farmland in some certain cases, not Pentagon. Is that, where is that the farmland and, they're interested in? And we're not going to allow these bad actors to buy this farmland. It was bipartisan. So that's great, right? That is great. That is amazing. I am so happy to see a governor saying they're going to take a stand to stop a foreign adversary like China stop from stopping buying farmland in the U.S. So here we have we have political China is buying up farms. Washington wants to crack down. That's good. Uh, the Gazette. China is buying up U.S. farmland. Iowa's Ashley Hinson wants to crack down. Here's CNBC. Chinese companies' purchase of North Dakota farmland raises national security concerns <clears throat> in Washington, D.C. And uh, if you look at these dates here, I think the, earl the, the earliest one is uh, July of 2022. So this has been happening for a little bit while now. But, oh, man, this is, this is what I was talking about earlier, that propaganda, that you've got to be pretty dense 
for this to work on you. Don't ban Chinese investment in U.S. farmland, says Bloomberg. <laughs> I cannot say this with a straight face. Foreign ownership raises legitimate fears, but national food security is enhanced by outsiders who seek economic opportunity in rural areas. Wow. I wish I, I could wish I could be as sarcastic. I want to be sarcastic. I want to try to be humorous, but wow, you have to, I'm just going to cite for what it is. I'm just going to call a spade a spade. You've got to be pretty dang stupid to believe that. If you read that and you're like, oh, oh, China needs to buy uh, farmland in the U.S. because uh, so we can have food security at home. You have, I'm, I'm sorry, if you believe that, you have to be pretty stupid. And and I'm sorry, kind of sorry for saying that, but at the same time, I'm not. It's kind of like telling the 600-pound uh, person to, hey, you're pretty stupid if you're going to keep eating McDonald's and all that fast food, right? You're pretty stupid if you, if you read something like that and you think that it's good for China to buy U.S. farmland for our domestic food security. So, no. That, what you just saw there, with, from Bloomberg, from opinion piece from Adam Minter, that's propaganda. That's dangerous, dangerous, dangerous propaganda. It is insane what's going on here. What, what, uh, what is happening? We have a legitimate foreign adversary that is buying up farmland domestically. And we have a piece from Bloomberg that says, no big deal. Not only no big deal, but it's a good thing. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Now we're going to shift gears here. Oh, this is Bloomberg again. I didn't even realize that when I would, before when I was lining up these articles for this podcast. Bloomberg, California is weighing 360,000 in reparations to eligible black residents. Will others follow? So another amazing piece by Bloomberg. So, yes, um, I guess this is not necessarily an attack on Bloomberg, but... <laughs> Uh, kind of like a uh, an attack on the people running this state here in California, the Democrats, the Democratic Party. Again, the Democrats have been in control of California for nearly three decades. They've had a supermajority in California for about a decade or so now. And now they are weighing $360,000 in reparations to eligible black residents will others follow. California is moving closer to determining what eligible black residents are owed for generations of discriminatory practices, a key step toward potentially becoming the largest U.S. jurisdiction to pay out billions of dollars in reparations. You can go on and on. Um, but if there's just two glaring points here. Number one, all they're trying to do is buy votes. That's all this is. This has nothing to do with uh, reparations or a genuine concern. This has nothing to do with this. Has They're buying votes because it says it right here. The California Reparations Tax Task Force will meet over the next two days in Sacramento to assess how reparations should be distributed, which could include direct payments. Could include direct payments. So, realistically, we could see a redistribution of wealth. That's what this is, a redistribution of wealth. This is the government saying to me, as a taxpayer, that my money is going to go to somebody else. That your money is going to go to somebody else. It's going to come out of your paycheck. And it's going to go in their bank account. That's that simple. Now, if it was, you might be able to convince me if it was, well, for starters, a much lower number, $360,000. But if it was a lower number that said, hey, you have to use this money to buy a house or you have to have a two-parent household in order to be eligible for this money, 
And if you're not a two-parent household or if you don't become or if you divorce later on down the road, then you have to pay that money back. There's If there's some common sense things that were in place, then maybe you can convince me that this is a good idea. But that, that that's not what this is. This is just a way to buy votes from the California Democrats because it's it's absolutely disgusting. And I don't think this will happen. I mean, crazy things have happened in the state of California, but let's just say this does happen. This might be the straw that breaks the camel's back for me to stay in California because I'm not going to let my government use and abuse my money like that. That is absolutely ridiculous. To think that this is a good idea to just transfer wealth from one individual to another individual is unjust and it's unfair. Well, you want to talk about justice? You want to talk about fairness? This is unjust. This is unfair to take wealth from one person and transfer it to another person because uh, uh, slavery or something that happened generations and generations and generations ago. This is BS. Absolutely BS. So now we're going to watch a clip from Senator Ted Cruz, one of the left's favorite politicians. And see, and, and he's going to say how we've lost so much trust in our scientists, in our public health experts because of this, because of uh, Dr. Fauci during the COVID pandemic. Watch this. You know, you look at Dr. Fauci. There is no bureaucrat in the history of our country who has done more damage to the United States than Dr. Anthony Fauci. Number one, his recommendations resulted in shutdowns that hurt tens of millions of kids, destroyed millions of jobs, millions of small businesses. And his willingness to set aside science, to set aside data, and to be purely political, there has been nothing in our lifetimes that has done more to damage the credibility of government scientists or doctors than Dr. Anthony Fauci. There are now tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of Americans that are not going to believe the next thing a scientist or doctor working for the government says. And that's dangerous. If, God forbid, we have another pandemic, let's say we have something like Ebola that has massively high fatality rates. I want us to be able to have scientists and doctors that can give us advice on how to keep our families safe. And yet Fauci was so willing to listen to the teachers union, so willing to listen to the Biden White House, so willing to put politics above science that he has done enormous damage to the credibility of, of, of the government doctors. I, I think that's an incredible disservice to the country. So yeah, not too long ago, the New York Times came out with an article and said the uh, mask mandates, they really did nothing. Well, I wrote on my Substack, my last Substack, that um, they didn't do nothing, the mask mandates. Well, they, they did nothing in the sense that in terms of stopping the spread of COVID-19. Yeah, that they did nothing. But what they did, what the mask mandates did, what these vaccine mandates did, is that they destroyed trust. And this is bad. This is horrible because as Ted Cruz said, what happens if there's a real, actual pandemic down the road where we need to rely on the experts, where we need some actual guidance? I, for one, personally, am not going to believe anything they say. Trust has been broken between me in our institutions, in our public health institutions. Trust has been broken, and as we all know, once trust is broken, it can never be repaired back to its original state. And that's bad, because like I said, what happens if there's a real deadly pandemic down the road? And we need a, and we need a genuine real vaccine, and the vaccine is the only cure for this supposedly pandemic that happens down the road. I'm not gonna take it, because I don't trust them. And that would be an apt, that would be a horrible scenario.
absolutely horrible scenario, but this is what they did to us. They lied. They lied. And we're going to see this next and final clip from uh, uh, Russell Brand on Bill Maher. They lied for profits. They lied for money. They lied for, 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 because they're greedy, because they're evil people. Evil people that are running this country. And that's what this is. They, it, is it is absolutely horrible. I cannot, oh, I cannot overstate the horrendous nature of what these people did to our country, what they did to, to our society, just so they can have an extra few bucks in their bank account. So take a look at this. This is the final clip that we're going to watch for this podcast, this episode. And here is Russell Brand, a very a former, a popular actor, former actor and now podcaster, who's on Rumble and YouTube and all over the place, who's been saying a lot of good stuff lately. Here he is on Bill Maher. We're going to not watch the whole thing. I'm just going to cut it and clip it. But take a look at this. This is how he is uh, burning down Pfizer, BioNTech, crony politicians in the media, and war profiteers in the defense industry. Watch. I'll just say one more thing about the pharma part of it. Um, Purdue Pharma, you're familiar, there's a terrific movie, Michael Keaton movie, Dope Sick, that was about... Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, and this is if all... you need an opioid, Purdue Pharma will sell you them at a reasonable price, whether you need them or not. <laughs> <laughs> I should add, yeah. these opioids can be quite Moorish, and even some would say addictive, so do be cautious. And, and you would know. You were, you were there, right? I mean, and there was a time where I did become a little bit dependent on heroin. Thankfully, Purdue were not operating in my country, so I may not be here now, and I'm very grateful that I am. October 2020, when the Justice Department announced Purdue Pharma pleaded guilty to felony charges of defrauding federal agencies, violating anti-kickback laws, marketing op opioids to hundreds of doctors that it suspected were writing illegal prescriptions, and then lying about it to the DEA. <laughs> So they got slapped with an $8.3 billion fine. I'm just, my last question is just the cognitive dissonance that I see, that people see, oh my God, the pharmaceutical industry is capable of doing this. But when it comes to COVID, no questions asked. It just does seem weird. Bill, if I may well, say. Well, I'll let him answer that. Oh, well, let John do it. Well. Yeah, you have a turn. Yeah. See, if you, <laughs> John, I'll offer you this challenge. Get the word sputum into your answer for bonus points. <laughs> I've been sitting here, I've been sitting here thinking about that the entire time. I could tell because yeah, I'm a, looking below uh, the desk. And oh! oh! Here we go. You know, I, look, I, the, we have a complicated relationship with the pharmaceutical industry. Anybody who's ever had a, uh, a, a family member who's had cancer um, and, and seen what... Uh, life-saving drugs can do for people. It also and, may have given it to them. And it, it, it may have, but that's actually kind of my. But that's actually kind of my point. Here, is like the, the reality is right. that like if you have a black and white point of view, the pharmaceutical industry right. is engaged in a giant yeah. conspiracy to fuck us all over. You are denying the reality no. that many people have lives been saved by those drugs. If you say the pharmaceutical industry has no right. has is, is incapable of error or or no. mali or, mal, or malign behavior, you're equally an idiot. The reality right. is that in a capitalist society, there are going to be companies that seeking profit yeah. will do things that are incredibly innovative and good so just and be, do things that are incredibly terrible and, 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 and right. exploitive. That's just, that seems like the right position to have. I agree. Right? Let's just be skeptical. Great. Right. Okay. And, and yeah, that's across the board. Sure. All right. Uh, moving on. Bill. Uh, yes. Out of respect for you and your show, <laughs> I've brought some facts. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> the 
Like- the pandemic created at least 40 new far- big pharma billionaires. Pharmaceutical corporations like Moderna and Pfizer made $1,000 of profit every second from the COVID-19 <laughs> vaccine. More than wow. two-thirds of Congress received campaign funding from pharmaceutical companies in the 2020 election. Pfizer chairman Albert Baller told Time magazine in July 2020 that his company was developing a COVID vaccine for the good of humanity, not for money. And of course, Pfizer made $100 billion okay. in profit right. in 2022. Right. And may I just mention, finally, and these are, this is also a fact, that you, the American public, funded the development of that. The German fund, public funded the BioNTech vaccine. When it came to the profits, they took the profits. When it came to the funding, you paid for the funding. It's difficult not okay, to... Okay, but I, I will just add one thing. Amen, brother. Amen. Preach, preach, preach. Now, to the gentleman, I think his name is Bill, who was next to Russell Brand, from the contributor from MSNBC, he brought up a pretty decent point. I mean, yes, there are people that needed the vaccine. And yes, this is also an example of greedy, evil corporations. So both examples, I'm assuming, are true. Or, well, I'm assuming, I'm just going to assume that some people out there needed the vaccine. I'm going to assume that to be true. And it is also true that, yes, greedy, evil people in corporations such as Pfizer lobbied politicians to, to mandate the vaccine so they can sell more products, so they can make more money. If all this was was just say, hey, pandemic, corporations are making a vaccine. If you want it, take it. If you don't, cool. If that's all this was, then we wouldn't have an issue. There wouldn't be a problem. But that's not what happened. That's not what happened. Pandemic happened. Capital corporations such as Pfizer saw an opportunity to lobby Congress and make a product, and they bought and sold politicians quite literally to mandate a vaccine. They bought and sold politicians to mandate it. They bought media to ramp up the fear for COVID. So when you have that fear complex ramped up from zero to 100, when you have the politicians mandating it, and you put all that pressure on the people, they're going to be able to sell more vaccines. Not necessarily sell, because we're not necessarily buying it. But we're funding it. We are absolutely funding the vaccine with our tax dollars to be created. And they are getting rich at our expense. They are getting rich at our expense. So this is a great example of how power is being taken from the people. You got the greedy, greedy corporatists. And this is not a, an attack on capitalism. What we, did, what we saw here with the, with the medical industry, big pharma and lobbying Congress, that's not capital that's crony capitalism which i fully condemn but capitalism in of itself is just an economic system where uh, what wealth is created by serving the needs of the others by serving the needs of the public that's how wealth is created under capitalism and it is the best economic system in human history but we when we confuse that with crony capitalism and the greed and the fraud and the, and the deceit that distinction needs to be made because it's two separate things and this has been a disastrous two and a half, three years for our country. Trust has been broken. Our political divide has never been higher. And we, the people, need to realize that there are a few people in power who have co-opted Republican labels, such as Republican and Democrats, that could not care less about us. They go into political office, which is no longer a pathway, or which is no longer a service and a sacrifice to our country, which is how it was from the very beginning, it is now a pathway to power and profits. We need to realize that there's a few people in power, and we need to unite against that. We need to let our we need to stop letting our disagreements separate us and divide us, and we need to focus our sights on this corrupt ruling class so we can take our power back. 
And that's all I got for A Plea to Humanity episode 10. If you like this message, give this video a like, subscribe to this channel, and share this video with a friend. Thank you for watching. Until next time. Bye.